We continue with our month-long celebration of our 35 years of wishes at Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. This week, we chat with chapter president and CEO, Tom Conklin. Tom began his tenure with Make-A-Wish as a member of our board of directors and joined the staff in his current role as president and CEO back in 2005. Here is Tom Conklin. Tom, welcome to the Wish House podcast. Dave, it's good to be here, and uh, I'm going to get it right this time. So hopefully the second time through will be a better version. So. We, we appreciate your patience with us as we kind of get through these technical things with the podcast. And, you know, on behalf of the entire executive uh, team for the podcast, we can't thank you enough for supporting it um, when we brought this crazy idea to you uh, about the podcast. So what did you think when you first heard about the podcast of us potentially using this as a way to storytell, you know, during our 35th anniversary year? Well, first, let's give a shout out to the team that you and, and, and Jillian and Sid who have done just a great job and uh, trying to look and celebrate a 35th anniversary in the middle of a pandemic. Of uh, course, it's to say, let's what some different things can we do in, in, in light of, of what's going on in the world? And you guys came together and said, podcasts are happening. It's true. Everybody's got to check out our podcast. So why not get in, into what's happening on a day-to-day basis and put together the series that you guys recommended? And I was smart enough to realize that you guys had the passion and the vision to make this truly something special. And it's been that. And it will serve as a repository for anybody who wants to find about this chapter, whether it's you want to be a volunteer, a uh, board member, a wish kid, hear the stories. You can't help but be touched by them. So having the podcast for anybody to look at on their way or when they have a free time or who's thinking about supporting Make-A-Wish or maybe joining the board or becoming a volunteer, what a great way for them to learn about our mission and how we operate here in the Hudson Valley. So kudos to you and the team. Well, thank you, Tom. And, you know, just for our listeners that maybe this is the first time that they are hearing from you directly. I mean, for our volunteers, chapter supporters, they they know who you are. But for our listeners that don't know who you are, share with them a little bit about yourself, kind of where you came from. I know, you know, you and I always go back and forth about being from the Bronx, which is great. Um, but share a little bit about who you are, kind of how you came to first being introduced to Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. Sure, Abe. Uh, so I've done many different things in my life. Born and raised in the Bronx, fellow Bronxite. Um, and then uh, wound up uh, a period of time teaching uh, high schools and coaching sports in high school. Then went into the corporate world for about 25 years, took a lot time from there. And it's, uh, while I was there, I was head of the foundation, always did community service, whether in my local church or sports, athletics, and and basketball and coaching or in, on the on the corporation side running the foundation and being involved in such projects like the palm junior tennis program where our company sponsored and we were the lead on that so i've always been involved in not-for-profits and then when i took early retirement and did some um, financial planning for people um, i was approached to come on the board uh, by a board member and i heard about make-a-wish i'd read about make-a-wish and it's a great mission a great brand so i said yeah i'd be honored so I went through the whole review process and I managed to get past that and, and was on the board for almost three years and finishing up as secretary. And then at that time, Jane Sherman, my predecessor, decided to pursue another opportunity. And my family said, you know what, you should do this, Dad. And I mean, this this is, you, you know, this community, you've been here, you know, lived here for, you know, 40, 50 years. You know the people, you would be great at this. You've always done not for profit. So I put my hat in the ring and John Crabtree at that time from the Kittle House in Chappaqua was the uh, chair of the search committee. And I guess they couldn't find anybody else better and they wound up settling for me. And here we are at the end of this year, it'll be 17 years as president and CEO. 
Tom, I mean, what a blessing to have you for such a long time, you know, in the in the Make-A-Wish fold, especially here in the lower Hudson Valley. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've interviewed or, you know, met with volunteers that talk about how they were your students at the school where you taught or, you know, board members that were, you know, so closely related to you over the years, you know, um, in different avenues of your life. And, um, you know, you're definitely a part of our chapter history. I mean, 17 years is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, these, I mean, you saw, you know, thousands of wishes, you know, you know, yeah. in this period of time, it's unbelievable um, that you worked very closely with the entire staff to make those happen. And obviously with our board as well. Um, and speaking of board, I mean, your tenure with the board was three years. Usually that's a, 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 a term, right? Uh, for board members. With more than one term into my second term. Correct. Yeah. So when, so how was that experience as a board member, uh, you know, kind of going in, seeing it from that side of things. And then when you actually transition into uh, being part of our staff and our president CEO, was it a big change? Where you know, what were some of the the things you felt you know needed to you know you were taxed with to kind of figure things out? I guess in both roles. Yeah, Abe, that's a great question. I'll answer it several ways. One, I, I think uh, my corporate background and how to run board meetings and, and things of that nature and, and, and HR and PR, all the background I had on the corporate side, stood me in good stead. The almost three years as, as a board director made me really understand the, what the responsibilities and duties of a board member are, especially fiduciary responsibility to make sure this chapter is running correctly. So I was able to take my corporate experience and translate it over into the not-for-profit in terms of organization and things of that nature. But then sitting on that side of the table, you know, I, I knew what it was like when presentations were made on, on wishes. Uh, presentations were made on budgets, uh, on strategic issues. That two and a half, almost three years, gave me such great insight. So then when I switched to the other side of the table, I, I knew what a board member was thinking on a particular presentation. And, and, and very often, that two and a half, three years enabled me, and along with Denise and Tom, whoever's presenting at the board, I could anticipate a lot of the questions they were going to ask because I sat in their seats for so long. And then working with the, the national and other CEOs, I'm one of the few CEOs who was a board member. So I, I brought that perspective to the dialogues we have with other CEOs too. So it was a good training ground and gave me a good exposure and insight in, into what a director needs to do. And that helped me recruit other directors um, because I could answer a lot of their questions since I actually sat in those chairs. That's amazing. And that, and that's that's also very interesting, too, because, you know, in our conversation with Jane Sherman, which, you know, was the episode that was released right before yours, you know, she talks about how one of the things that, you know, she was focused on was enriching the board and growing the board. And I feel like even just the time that, you know, you and I have worked together, that's always been a very important part of your role as president and CEO is the type of board members that we're bringing in and how involved they can get, uh, you know, on wishes and, and just that, Get, having having that perspective on understanding the fullness of what our mission is all about. I feel like that's still something very important in the role of a president CEO, right? Is recruiting the right type of board members that fit with our with our group in a sense, right? It's a high priority aid. You gotta get the right people. And also you have a responsibility to have make sure that around that table you have a diversity of skill sets, diversity of opinion, and diversity of experiences. So you have some board members who are wish grantors who really understand what's going on there. You have uh, wish parents uh, sitting on the board and they bring the perspective to the table that is really unique and should be respected. Then you have the technical, like you need a lawyers, you got your lawyers and you got your CPAs in this day and age because you have um, filings and audits and things of that nature. 
you better have the right skill set of people on, on that board. So if you're a board member, maybe you don't understand all the numbers, but you know, if you got three CPAs who look at you and say, we've looked at the financials and everything is cool, it gives you a sense of comfort that it's being done. So yeah, you, you gotta have a high priority. And of course, diversity and inclusion, it's gotta be a top priority to make sure that the board, you gotta make the attempt to be geographically diverse. Um, and, and to make sure we look like the people we serve. And that's a major challenge in this day and age and will continue to be for some time to come. That's awesome. And, and thank you for expanding on that, because I know that's one of the questions that a lot of our listeners, a lot of our volunteers have asked in the past, which is, you know, how do we how, if, if I want to raise my hand and say I want to be a board member, how do I how does that process even begin outside of the people that are in that room that know each other and maybe bring somebody in? If it's somebody that has no real connection to anyone on the actual board currently, how would they throw their hat in the ring and say, hey, I want to be part of our board. I want to offer, you know, my my expertise, my skill set to this amazing organization. How would they go about doing that? So there's several ways that we recruit board members. It's a great question. One is, as you said, you know, board members, you know, they have their own networks and they are our ambassadors. So when they share what they're doing at Make-A-Wish, that very often ignites an interest in the part of the people saying, that sounds pretty cool. How do I get involved? And if that person wants to raise their hand, then basically we don't do it right away. We'll say, come to a wish ball, come to an event, come to the wish house, have a cup of coffee with Tom. And as somebody said, once you come to the wish house and have a cup of coffee with Tom, you're done. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, you're on board uh, because the, the magic of this place. Then there are other people that we will pursue. Uh, we look at the talent and out there and, and, and talk to people and get them involved. And we'll see them at different events. You know, people who have already an interest in, in what we do and our mission, you say, we've seen them, they've been before Wish Balls already. And several of our board members, you know, hear the mission at the Wish Ball and decide to go to the next level. So it comes that way. So if you raise your hand, basically your thumb will give you an orientation. We'll show you what the duties and responsibilities are of a board member, and uh, if they're okay with that, then I ask them, there's one more thing, you have to go home and get spousal consent. And they <laughs> say, what do you mean? Because you get involved with Maker, which it affects the whole family. I don't want a board member to come on and three months later saying, I, I shouldn't have taken on it too much. My, my wife said, there's too many things going on with the kids. So maybe you come a year from now or two years from now. So then they go, they are reviewed by the uh, uh, board development committee. We look at their resume, we look at their skill sets, we do the background checks like we do for all volunteers to make sure um, everything is appropriate. Then they are presented to the um, board development committee. And if the board development committee votes yes, then they go to the full board to be elected. And that's the process. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, that's something that also our listeners should be aware of, that our board directors, they're all volunteers. They're mm-hmm. volunteering their time, which, you know, could be meetings. It could be, you know, phone uh, calls. It could be, you know, different, you know, meetings at the Wish House, meetings on Zoom. You know, it, it varies. But there is a, that level of commitment for a board director um, that's required. And I think that's important for our listeners to be aware of is that these board directors are not being paid for this. This is their, their, their donating of their time, of their resources, of their network to our organization. So they go through the process of, like any other volunteer, which is they go through an orientation, you know, both on the volunteer end, but also a board orientation. You know, they also get background screening um, done. And that's something also 
again, for our listeners that may not be aware, that's kind of unique for our, for, with our chapter is that every single volunteer gets a background screening, no matter in what role they may play, whether they're assisting at an event, whether they're working on a wish or whether they're working as a, as a board director, everyone receives a, a, a background screening and they're, and they're done every three years. Um, and they also have to complete a conflict of interest form, which is also something else that's part of the basic kind of requirement for you to be involved with our chapter. And, you know, that's important for people to be aware of that is that we, they, we do vet everyone out. Um, and there are these additional steps that are taken before they even step into the Make-A-Wish world as far as, you know, knowing the, the background of things that are happening. So that's important for, for our community and our supporters to know. Um, now, Tom, kind of switching gears a little bit. So, you know, Unfortunately, our listeners aren't able to see this, but you have a, a beautiful office. I mean, it's filled with pictures of wish kids all around the place. I mean, some of the ones that you have are really, I, I feel are really special to you. I mean, they're there on your on your desk for a reason. I mean, can you share uh, so, some of the, the kids that you have around you and, and why, um, why they're there? You know, why those photos particularly kind of pulled at your heartstrings that you've got them framed up and, and put them in your office? Yeah, well, one that uh, you, you always see in my office, it's an oval fo- photo of uh, Wish Kid Sarah, who many, many years ago, she was really, really young. Um, it was before a wish ball, and she was all dressed up. Her dad, uh, Danny Hyman, was going to be the keynote speaker that night with her by his side. And before the wish ball, you get kind of nervous and everything, make sure I get everything right. And for some reason, she just came up to me, and, and I thought she was going to say something to me, and I just bent over, and all she did was put her hand on my cheek, like, saying everything's gonna be okay and my wife saw that picture and said oh my god i mean that just speaks volumes it's me bending over in my tux and and her just putting her hand on my cheek like everything's gonna be okay so um that that's a favorite one then another one is um from uh, a parent of wish kid santino one of my early wishes and, and very early on before technology grew this was a kid that had spinal muscular atrophy so basically he was imprisoned in his body. He couldn't communicate. He couldn't control his muscles, but his mind was fine. So imagine how hard that is for, for the youngster and, and also for the family. And basically, they set up the uh, the island in the kitchen where he would stay until he's a part of everything. And at that time, the family said if he had a wish, it would be to, to communicate. And uh, back then, we went to the board. The wish department, Denise and team, came up with a recommendation, like think for eye gaze, where computer could read the, the child's eyes and then formulate a series of storyboards that could be put on the computer and Santino was allowed to communicate. He was allowed to say, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry to the computer. He was allowed, he was allowed to say, I love you, mom. And, and it just changed the relationship between between Santino and the family. And that sits, sits right across from me. So that's just that. Um, and another one is one, she was on the, Ali Gonzalez, who's the wish kid who was on a previous podcast. And her wish was a sweet 16, a, a, a sweet 16 party at uh, their hotel. And we arranged one of our board members who was on the staff of West Point for an honor guard of officers to have a Sabre entrance for her to come in. And there's a picture of her and, it, and it, it's a special wish. And she'll always remember her soldiers that day. So a lot of young captains and lieutenants were ordered to volunteer, I think, that night, but it was a special night, and um, they've been great, and her dad and Bill. So there are stories behind each picture, uh, and, and they're just beautiful, and uh, um, that's what it's all about. And I'm honored to be part of that, because as, as you've heard from others, you, when you're in this business, you get a lot more than you give. Um, you're just honored to be part of it. 
So every now and then, if I had a bad day, I'll look up at one of those pictures and just recount the story, and then it gets me to focus and to bounce and go back to deal with whatever I have to deal with. Yeah, that's that's amazing, Tom. And and one of my other favorite pictures you have on your in your office is also of uh, Wish Kid Michael, um, you know, with uh, his sister Cheryl. And uh, share a little bit about that story, you know, because his dad, Michael Quinn, also served on our board. Um, you know, if you could share a little bit about that, because obviously yeah. Allie, you know, she's shared her experience, um, you know, in the podcast episode, the Hymans, you know, they're still very involved with our chapter and supporting us, you know, through the years, you know, and, and obviously Michael Quinn and his and his family with his wife, Bridget, and his daughter, Cheryl, um, you know, they were, they, they, they continue to be still involved in supporting our chapter too, but we share a little bit about Michael's. Sure. Question. So, so Michael Quinn was a uh, Lieutenant Colonel and, and instructor at West Point, uh, in operations engineering, talking about terms I couldn't remember. He, his son, and Michael was a big guy. His son was a high school football player, was 6'2", and over 200 pounds as a sophomore and developed a brain tumor. And it was a very, very difficult battle for that for that family. Uh, he was a big Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, so it was wished to meet the Miami Dolphins and, and we threw them down there. And he was in a wheelchair at the time. And Mike recounts the story. He thought I'd just be there and watch everything and, and everything. But at the end of practice, every single Miami Dolphin came over and paid tribute and said hello to him. Um, and when Mike recounted that story, you can't help but cry. Uh, it just he said to my son and every every player's coming over. And then they went to the game on Sunday and, they, and Miami Dolphins lost, but the player came over and apologized for not winning the game for his son. Wow. And and as he was passing, he just wanted to make sure that the son, a young kid, said, I want to help make sure that I can help other kids. You know, if I can't beat it, I want to, and, and they formed the Friends for Michael Foundation and they've been big supporters of Michael Wish. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and we actually have, um, just for our listeners, sneak peek, um, we will be having an episode in the near future with Michael Quinn. So please be sure to look out for that episode because, you know, Michael, you know, Tom just kind of alluded to it. I mean, anytime he shares his story, you can't help but tear up. Um, because of the passion of what he shares about his son and the impact of the wish and how, you know, they were moved to try to touch other children's lives that were going through something um, difficult. And uh, bring your so, tissues to that podcast, folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Tom, so real quick, you know, one of the questions that kind of just popped, you know, just popped up is, uh, you know, when, you know, kind of elephant in the room we're having this entire podcast via zoom um you know you when you look at when when we look back at our chapter history let's say in five years when we're celebrating our 40th anniversary you know there are certain moments in our chapter history that are significant when we were established when we moved to the wish house and quite honestly you know what happened during 9 11 you know with with donations that you know were were at one point coming to us that then went to relief efforts, you know, during that time. But then the next kind of major blip would be the pandemic. What happened during the 2020 year um, in, for the chapter? And how did we kind of navigate through those, you know, you know, uncharted waters? So Tom, share with our listeners a little bit about what we've done over the last, you know, you know, year um, and kind of how we pivoted from a lot of, from everything being in person to then it being virtually based. Cause I think that's important as a time capsule of this period of time that someone five years from now, um, can go back and listen to this episode and say, wow, this is, this is the roadmap on how we can handle things in the future that may be also uncharted or, or difficult to go through. So share a little bit about what, how it all happened with March and, and, yeah. you know, you and I, we always had a, a coffee in the morning, uh, <laughs> at the office and, 
you know, because we were the early birds at the office and now here we're having it uh, over Zoom. So it's crazy. So a couple of things prior to the pandemic, uh, you know, and, and Abe, you were a big proponent of this and, and the team. Um, we, we submitted a grant to Carvel uh, to get laptops uh, to allow us to work remotely. Um, you know, with snowstorms and things of that nature were the major concern. And if you're a wish coordinator, you've got a wish going out or coming in in the middle of a snowstorm and you couldn't get to the wish house. We knew there was, there was a, a vulnerability there. So as you know, Abe, thanks to you and the team, everybody got laptops. So whenever we saw storms come and take your laptop home, everyone would work remotely, the phone system could accommodate it. So in many ways, we were pretty well prepared to be able to work remotely. Thank God um, that was the case. And then on Friday, March 13th, I remember if the state is closing down, hopefully I'll see you in a couple of weeks and, and, and here we are a year later. But what really is amazing to see is how the team, every single member of the team, just made that transition um, in terms of uh, dealing with wishes, uh, no travel wishes, contacting the families. There were kids um, whose wishes we could grant and, and to make those happen, but to do it remotely. We would have staff meetings remotely, you know, and, and, and we had, I think we had a Christmas holiday. Um, we all ordered food from J.P. Doyle's, plug for J.P. Doyle's and Sleepy Hollow, great supporter of Make-A-Wish. We ordered our lunches. We all went home and had our lunches and an adult beverage while we had a little Christmas party lunch Zoom call um, to celebrate the holidays. So from the wish standpoint, that was very difficult in dealing with the families, you know, who are already, think about it, they're already dealing with uncertainty and fear with the diagnosis of a critical illness. And on top of that, we put a pandemic, which just heightens that. But the phone call from a wish coordinator was was the cause of hope, you know, and maybe we're going to wait on the wish or maybe we can think of an alternate wish. Just to have those conversations in the middle of the pandemic was great. So kudos to the team who were operating in the middle of so much uncertainty, how long, and, and, and dealing with the national office with the realization that the safety of our wish kids is the highest priority. And it looks like until it's safe to fly, we're not going to travel. So from the WISH department, they did a tremendous job, and, and, and now we're helping some other chapters. From a fundraising standpoint, couldn't do any in-person fundraising. There were no external events. The team came together. We did, you know, uh, stars at home, a talent show at home, where everybody would send in on the computer their the one or two minute uh, talent, and you $5 to vote. You guys raised over $34,000, and, and WISH night uh, back in November. You just made the transition, and and we are blessed that you guys did that and kept us going and i gotta say we've got some very loyal donors who have really stepped up um, and done a great job and then what we're doing now is we can't have the big celebration so the 35th anniversary newsletter is going to be awesome uh abe and the team are working so hard on it um we're, we're thinking probably around may it's going to come out and, and really talk about the story about uh, make a wish in hudson valley some great wish stories ways to engage uh, what's coming up so you guys did a pivot um, to new way of operating the pandemic which i think stands as a model we're still dealing with uncertainty and ambiguity but living with ambiguity here at the wish house is a daily occurrence and the team has been resilient and really done a terrific job board meetings uh that way committee meetings we just had a meeting with the audit committee with the auditors um all done by zoom so it's uh, but we do miss the contact and when we have two or three people in the office it's good to see some people but um the team has done a great job and, and we now need to get ready for what happens when uh, normalcy returns when travel comes in 
what's going to happen is we believe there's going to be a surge in wishes at that time. And we've got to gear up and be ready to handle the surge at that time. Yeah, that's a that's a very important thing to for our listeners to be aware of is that, you know, this period of time, like you said, very fluid in how things are happening. Things are evolving every single week, uh, week to week. Things are changing, um, you know, getting better. Sometimes it's step back. But ultimately, we're, we're trending, hopefully, in the right direction. And we at some point will be in a place where we are able to kind of you know go back to that sense of normalcy again. But with that. It comes, like you said, this potential, you know, tsunami of wishes that will have to be granted um, with the majority of them being travel related wishes, because the assumption is that travel will be, you know, for, for always, it's always been one of the top type of wishes that we grant are travel related wishes. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're going to have all these kids that have, uh, you know, either have been unsure, have been waiting, or kid, or newer kids that have been recently referred that want to go on a travel related wish. That's a, an expense. And just to remind our listeners, on average, the cost of a wish ranges between $7,500 and $10,000. You extrapolate that over potentially an additional 50, 80 kids than we normally would do during a particular time period. That's a, that's a very big expense, which is why it's so important that if it's possible for our supporters and community members to help to assist us now right. so that we can you know, build up to that point when we do flip the switch and we're going to grant all these wishes, we're not in a position, you know, where it's going to become difficult to grant some of those wishes. So it's important that, you know, our community supporters, you know, help us now, support us now through our newsletter that's going to be coming out, which is going to have a remittance envelope in there. We're going to have uh, stars at home back again this summer, which is exciting, which is a virtual talent show. So that's another way people can support us. And then we have other things coming up in the pipeline, like our walk in the, in the fall, potentially another virtual wish night again. So, you know, we have all these things that are going to be lining up that we're going to share, you know, and, and and again, this is another sneak peek to our community and supporters that come June, we are going to have a press conference in celebration of our 35th anniversary to share about some of these things and some of the ways that our community can get involved. So that's an important thing for them to be aware of is that come halfway point through the year, the calendar year in June, we're going to be sharing some of the ways, some of these amazing events that are coming up that they can support, which is going to really help sustain us as all of these wishes are going to, are going to be granted all in one shot, pretty much in potentially, you know, hopefully the summer of 2022, if not before then. So we'll, we'll see how it all works out, but uh but that's that's kind of that's kind of the, the lay of the land, I guess you could say, right, right Tom? That's it. That's where we are right now. And and each day is different. Um, uh, but we're still granting a lot of wishes right now. The team is doing a great job. Gaming computers, puppies, uh, room decorations done with socially distant uh, implementation, uh, hot tubs. So there's a lot of wishes being granted right now that are not travel wishes, and we're glad to be able to do those now. That's awesome, Tom. And and again, we're going to switch gears one more time because, you know, you have a particular announcement that you wanted to break here on the uh, the Wish House podcast. And, you know, we just wanted to share that with our listeners and you have the floor, Tom. Sure. So um, after three years as, as a board member and at the end of this year, uh, 17 years as CEO, I'll, I'll be retiring at the end of this uh, calendar year. It's time to pass the baton to the next generation and uh, um, it's been an honor. Uh, I'm announcing it now, so the board has sufficient time to do their due diligence, create a search committee, and go through the protocols to find the right person uh, to fill this job. Unfortunately, in the other chapters, when the CEO leaves, um, the board has maybe two weeks or a month to fill it. And 
it's hard to find. It's an important job, and it needs time, it needs care, it needs scrutiny, um, it needs work to find the right candidate. So um, I, I told the board, take the time. I'm here. Uh, I will I'll, I'll still be working every day and working hard to give them the time to do it right, to find the right person to fill this job. So it'll be at the end of the year, and that'll be the end of my 17th year. So Tom, this the time. Tom, this is crazy, crazy time. Um, you know, we as a staff, you know, we can't, on behalf of everyone, I can say, you know, how blessed and, and, and privileged we've been to, to work alongside you for, for all the years you've been with us. I mean, Denise has been there since you started, um, you know, and, and obviously before then um, as, as the longest tenured staff member. Um, but, you know, it's really been an absolute pleasure. I, I remember, you know, I'll just share a quick story of how when we first connected. So, you know, as an alumni, you know, one of the things, one of the first ways I got involved with the organization post-WISH was through our alumni committee. And I received that letter in the mail, invited me to be part of this, uh, you know, beginning formation of the alumni committee, which, you know, we're proud to say we were the first one throughout yeah. all the chapters of Make-A-Wish to have one, which is really cool. Um, and at one of those opportunities that I had to volunteer my time as an alumni committee member, was for a Disney grant that was uh, submitted by one of our chapter supporters, and they wanted a Wish Kid representative there. Um, so I had the pleasure to spend some time with you. It was really the first time that you and I had spent some time outside of you know the regular Make a Wish stuff, uh, where we were just able to chat and talk and. Um, and I expressed to you my interest at that time. This was in 2006, I believe. Yeah. Um, my interest at that time to to want to work with the organization in some form. Um, and you told me very matter of factly. Well, fortunately, you know there aren't any opportunities right now. I mean, at the time, I think we only had I think seven or eight staff members, um, and you know, and, and it, it wasn't a lot of turnover. So it was it was something that I just kind of in my mind I was like, oh, I'll plant the seed and we'll see whatever happens and we'll go from there. Little did I know that a year later I would be receiving a call from Denise during a week that I took off to interview for a new, new, a new job. And she calls me up and says, hey, are you still looking or still interested? I'm like, yeah, I took this whole week off, <laughs> you know, to look for a new job. I can go there like right now. And, um, you know, so thankfully I was able to, you know, interview with you guys. And, and, and again, you guys didn't find anyone better. Um, so I, you kind of settled for me. But and here I am, you know, going into the, my 14th year. So it's pretty amazing and we had a great conversation during that 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 meeting that when we uh you know met over at pj clark's and you know, we had a burger. best hamburgers i've ever had Abe. oh my god have you and, and and have you as a rich kid it's just it's been a home run in every respect so well, thank it was you, a great night i remember that well every time i pass pj clark i think of that night my entire life in a lot of ways um has been strongly influenced by make-a-wish and i speak on behalf of all of wish kids that you know, it impacts not just in that moment of when it's most needed, but it also it it, it permeates through the rest of your life and in, in things that you do. And and I've been fortunate enough to be able to stick with Make Wish throughout all of this, and and I look forward to many many more decades and years with with Make Wish. So um, yeah, I can't say thanks enough to to the entire Make Wish Hudson Valley team for granting my wish, and you know, and obviously you know putting up with me over the past fourteen years. So I appreciate that. Fortunate to have you. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Um, so, wow. So that that's a, a major mic drop with your uh, retirement announcement. And and we'll be and we'll be sure to share some more during our press conference when we have it in June uh, for those that are um, that are listening. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put something out so that you guys can be aware um, you know, of, of that announcement. So. Um, all right, Tom. So, you know, at this part of the uh, the podcast chat, you know, we like to talk through what we call our shooting star segment. So it's a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. So we'll kind of go from there. Um, so you've been with the organization for, you know, 17, 18 years. Um, 
I, you, there's a lot of memories, a lot of stories we can talk about, but what would you say is one of your favorite Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley memories? So I, I think well, there's so many to choose from, but uh, I think the story of Kira Allen, um, who, who we featured the last wish bowl we had um, a couple of years ago, Kira Allen, for those, for our listeners, uh, she's about 18, 19 now, she's been in a wheelchair, she's got a disease that slowly but surely is gonna um, take away all her mobility, um, but that doesn't keep her down. Um, she would be treated out at a, at a hospital in Ohio and on the way to the hospital and back the long drive, all she would listen to was Billy Joel. Um, so when it finally came time for her wish, um, she wanted to meet Billy Joel. And um, it's great because we have a great relationship with the Garden of Dreams Foundation. Uh, we were there, we were one of the first charities that they approached. Mike Quinn, who you were interviewing five years, was the keynote speaker that launched um, the Garden of Dreams Foundation. So they arranged uh, Billy Joel being the um, artist and resident in Madison Square Garden one night before a concert, spent a half hour with Kira, which was amazing. She knew more about his music than he did. He had forgotten some stuff. And his manager said, I don't know who was more impressed than I, whether she was so happy, but definitely he was touched. He actually changed the set. He said, what's your favorite song? And she said, Vienna. He said, we're not playing that tonight. And she said, you really should. And she called, he called in the manager and the whole set was changed that night. And she went up to um, the skybox that they provided for her. And when it came to that song, he dedicated that song to, to her. Um, I think we heard him scream all the way up here in Tarrytown when he did that. Uh, and she still has the revised set sheet framed in her house. Um, she's a student at Columbia University. Nothing is keeping this girl down. You talk about strong. That prompted her to go ahead and audition for a part in a movie. And she actually got a part in a movie called Run um, uh, with Sarah Paulson. And unfortunately, it was going to be released during the middle of the pandemic. So we were going to have a big opening night celebration party. We couldn't do it. But it was released on Hulu. So it's Hulu. The movie is Run. You want to be scared. Um, see it. But her performance is unbelievable. She was on The Ellen Show. And basically, she's the first wheelchair-bound actor in, in a prominent role in the movie in like 40 years. Um, and the fact that, you know, we complain some days and she's in a wheelchair and she's an honor student at Columbia University and now she's an actress. Her story that night just blew us all away. That just absolutely blew. You could hear a pin drop at the wish ball. And um, she's just and, and, and always thanking us and, and make a wish. So you ever get to hear us speak and who knows, we'll bring it back to some different events. Truly an amazing person who took the power of a wish and translated that into going for an audition and landing an acting position in, in a major movie from Lions I mean, that night, Abe, you were there. I mean, that was truly emotional. It was emotional and 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 talk about a performance in this movie run on Hulu. I mean, definitely, you know, it sounds like we're we're promoting this movie, but it it really is a, a an amazing psychological thriller. Um, you don't know how it's gonna end, how it starts. I mean, it's one of those really really great really great movies and so we encourage you to support our wish alum you know kira allen who's you know stars in this movie with sarah paulson as you mentioned um really worth uh, it's a great friday night kind of chill kind of you know movie so definitely check it out um and tom you know our, our kind of our next question on the shooting star segment is you know what advice would you give to someone in the community who is interested in getting involved locally with make wish hudson valley what would you share with them to kind of 
encourage them to get involved? Well, there's, there's so many ways. The beauty of Make-A-Wish is you can get involved by giving your time, your talent, or your treasure. And you can do it at your own pace. Uh, you all have lives. You have commitments to your families and your jobs. We'll find a way to strategically use your time to get involved with Make-A-Wish. And as I said earlier, I guarantee you, in whatever capacity you volunteer, whether it's a wish, wish grantor, whether it's working one of our fundraisers, whether it's helping out here at, at the Wish House when things return to normal, you will get back more than you give. And you'll probably say, to yourself, you're talking to people all the time. And people will start saying, when you stop talking about Make-A-Wish, it will touch your life in, in a way. And you will meet um, the bravest and best people in our Wish kids and our Wish parents. Um, they are truly remar remarkable people. That's awesome. Um, and Tom, I mean, if you could have a wish, you know, what would it be? And I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. I'll remind our listeners that we have five formal wish categories. They are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So out of those five formal wish categories, Tom, what wish would you want? We were asked as staff, what would your wish be? And my wish was, I'm a big Jeff New York football giant fan. And my wish was to be there one day in person to see the Giants win the Super Bowl. And fortunately, I had the opportunity back in uh, 2008 to watch them beat the New England, the undefeated New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So now if we go to the website, it says, I wish to be there to see the Giants win the Super Bowl. And under it says, wish granted in 2008. And it just, it was just terrific uh, to be there. I don't have to see another one. I mean, that was a true story. And I got to see some some friends and some board members at, at the game. It was great. So my wish was granted. So it's terrific. And the Giants continue to be great supporters of Make-A-Wish. Yeah, they're very involved with Make-A-Wish New Jersey. I mean, they I mean, just recently they had um, they had a great piece with one of our chapter supporters with Bruce Beck from NBC4, who uh, did a piece on them. Um, so that's always great to see that um, that our Make-A-Wish world is not just within Hudson Valley, yeah. but in, within all throughout the United States. And obviously, shout out to Make-A-Wish New Jersey for continuing to have a great relationship with them. That's awesome, Tom. Um, and then lastly, in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? I, I think, and, and it's, it, you know, I saw the questions ahead of time, and it's, it's hard to pick one word, but the word that comes to mind is heroic. Um, what I see in the Wish Kids, um, are heroes who have strength beyond their years and doing what they have to deal with. I see the wish parents who deal with these things every day uh, as true heroes, who then turn around to us and they're thanking us for granting the wish when this is gonna be their life for the foreseeable future. I think they're heroes. I think our volunteers who could do so many different things or not volunteer at all, who give up their time continually. We know our volunteers uh, on a first name basis. I mean, that's a role of what they do. Whether it's standing out in the rain directing traffic, uh, I mean, working the crazy things that go on at the wish ball or doing their own events, that's a role. The board members who really take on the heavy responsibility for, for, for this chapter and the staff uh, for whom this job is not a job, it's a way of life. Um, to me, they're heroes in every sense of the word. So heroic is the word that comes to mind. 
Amazing time. And, and thank you so much for, for joining us today on the wish house podcast for the second time. Um, you know, we can't thank you enough for your patience and understanding as we got through these technical difficulties and, you know, to our listeners, please know that Tom is a, is a real trooper. You know, we're, we're going to miss him at the wish house. And, you know, and again, on behalf of everyone on staff, you know, we can't thank you enough for, for your support and allowing us to, to, to do, what we do, you know, at the office and, and, and in all in support of our local wish kids. And um, and again, if there's any bigger imprint outside of Denise, you know, over all these years, it, it's yours because you've been with us for so long at the helm. And, you know, a lot of the amazing things we've done at our chapter has been under your watch. And we, again, on behalf of everyone, we can't thank you enough for your 17 years of service to our local community and, and more importantly, for just being an amazing you know, president CEO for all of us on staff, and um, we can't thank you enough for everything, Tom. Thanks, Dave. It's been an honor and a privilege. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast to help us reach as many people as possible about our wonderful mission. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing our podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and healthy.